nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing So what's the overall feeling like in the locker room with the club right now? Obviously, you come away with the draw, but you were very close to getting the three points here. Yeah, I think uh, we created more than enough opportunities to win that game. You know, I, I, I don't know what the uh, count was, but I know it was high, you know, and, and the type of opportunities that we created were high, high percentage opportunities. Um, you know, we have to be more clinical. You have to put teams away. I had the opportunity to do that. You know, I think as a collective, we defended very, very well. Pressing again was highly effective. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 soccer. You know, it's uh, you know we remain undefeated at home as in seventeen games. That's it. How did the uh, complexion of the match change after? Uh, sorry. I think we're having some connection problems. Yeah, I heard something. I, I didn't hear like actually what your question was. I was asking uh, how the complexion of the match changed after Coyle was sent off late there. I mean, it's like uh, any any game. If you're playing a man down, obviously that uh, presents a, a different challenge. You know, I thought the guys were doing well to limit their opportunities. And it was like one action, one action at the end. And you know, hats off to a bicycle kick. You know, you don't see that very often. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's soccer. It seemed like late in the match, there were a lot of people on both sides who were fatigued or might've been cramping up and reaching for, for things like that. Was it a difficult match with the conditions early in the year from a fitness standpoint, or how did you see that have an impact? Yeah, it, it's two top teams battling, competing, both wanting to, to win the three points. And as mentioned, we did more than enough to, to earn the three points tonight. And on both sides of the ball, we did very, very well. You know, it came down to one one last action, you know, and hats off to them for, for getting a spectacular goal. And lessons learned, we got to be more clinical moving forward. How much different was your tactical approach compared to the Greg, you broke up again. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I was asking how, can you hear me all right now? Yeah. Now I can, yes. I was asking how much different the approach was compared to the first time you faced this team. How, how, how significantly did you change things tactically? Yeah, I mean, I get in every game is a, is a different strategy, you know, and I, as mentioned, we, we did more than enough to win, win that game. Um, so it, we felt the strategy was effective. The guys competed, worked. Um, 
did everything that was asked. And uh, again, the piece that we learned from this is we got to be more clinical uh, and we will be. And um, yeah, we move on, learn and move on. The, we're very close to getting three points. What's the emotions like in the locker room? Um, yeah, I think uh, guys are very emotional right now. Um, we're, we're disappointed, we're, we're a little frustrated with how the results ended up. Um, we thought we, we played fairly well. I think we just needed to be a little more uh, clinical with our chances um, and see the game out. How did you see that the match changed after the red card? What impact did that have on just the flow of play overall? Um, maybe, of course, um, you know, it gives, maybe it gives a little boost, boost to RGV, um, you know, playing with a man up, but um, we still should have, should have seen the game out. Um, we, should have, we should have been more clinical earlier in the game um, and prevented that kind of situation. What did you see on that final action that they were able to score on the, on the bicycle kick? What was your perspective of how that play built up and maybe what went wrong from your, from your guys' side? Um, uh, maybe we were, we were scrambling a little bit, bit to get set. Um, we had some guys, guys down, um, with, with cramps or whatever it was, uh, and ball came in just second balls, just didn't get to it first. And, um, you know, he was able to finish it, uh, but so it was inches, uh, it came in inches sometimes and, that's how it went. You mentioned the cramps. How much of a factor was the, the fatigue and general conditions on the field tonight for both sides? It seemed like there were a lot of people kind of getting worn down as the match progressed. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes that's just the way it goes. Um, you know, the game here, you worry about getting through the game and, and pushing and, and winning. And, and sometimes that stuff just happens and uh, you just got to push through, through at the finish. But. You guys are now entering a stretch where you're going to be playing on the road quite a bit. How, how do you, you know, look ahead to that next step or what do you guys have to do to be successful through these next couple of weeks? Yeah, we just have to, you know, take some time to, to reflect on this game and the things that we did well and the things we need to do better. And uh, I think we got, we're going to, we're going to take a, I think the guys are going to have a lot of hunger going in into next week on the road. And uh, I think the guys are going to be up for it and we're going to take it and it's going to make it even stronger. Matt, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, I mean, you're going, as Greg said, you guys are going on the road now. And do you feel like a match like this is kind of a blessing in disguise? You didn't get three points, you got the draw, but it, you, as you said, it lights a fire into you whenever you get ready to go on a road trip like this, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's important that that we take something away from the game to, to push us forward. Um, you know, of course, uh, you guys are very emotional and, and you're very frustrated with how the result ended up. But the game's over now, and, and we got to take some things away and use it going forward. Matt, uh, both you and Alan talked about trying to be more clinical with the chances you had. Obviously, you guys were really uh, getting a lot of great opportunities. How much of that, though, do you think was just, uh, particularly for you as a goalkeeper, how much do you think it was Tyler Derrick just having a fantastic night, stopping a lot of great opportunities and keeping his team in the match earlier? Yeah, I think, uh, of course, you got to give, give Tyler a lot of credit. He made a number of great saves um, towards the end of the half and, and even to open the, the beginning of the half um, to keep his team in the game. Um, 
but I think just just the number of chances that we got and the, the talent and the ability of the players that we have, um, you know, I, I believe in the guys, and, and we all think that we should have done a little better and put some of those chances away. Again, I was just asking you about, you know, you guys were very close to getting three points and end up coming away with the draw instead. How is the group feeling about that result? What's the what are the emotions like right now? Yeah, it's definitely tough. You know, I, we um. We thought that we deserved the three points, you know, we fought hard. There's a lot of good stuff from the group. So obviously taking a point is a little disappointing, but um, objectively we look at the game, the performance that the group put in, and there's a lot of positives in that. And, you know, that's what we focus on and we take that and we build on for the next game. How did the challenge for you guys change and how did you see the match shift after the red card late? Oh, yeah, it's definitely tougher, you know, to play a man down with any team. And uh, a team like RGV likes to move in and, and overload on the wings is tough when you're a man down. So we really just try to stay compact and limit them. And, you know, you it's unlucky how the goal goes in. Uh, obviously, amazing goal by the guy. But, you know, we just I'm proud of the guys for the hard work that they put in. And we just, like I said, we've learned the lessons and we take it to the next game. It seemed like on both sides there were a lot of guys dealing with fatigue or cramps late in the match. What were the conditions like out on the field for you all? Yeah, it was, I, it was definitely a humid game tonight. I'm not sure the exact temperature, but it was tough. You know, both teams did a lot of running, a lot of uh, attacking, a lot of defending. So I think both teams are fatigued. It's always an intense one when these two teams meet up, you know, so... Um, you can see that fatigue set in, but like I said, I'm very proud of the guys. Guys logged in a lot of minutes, man down, and still doing great defensive action. It's just unlucky in the end. Like you mentioned, there were a lot of good things to take away, especially those. Sorry, you're breaking up again. I wanted to just let me know if you can hear me all right. Is that any better? I can hear you now. Okay. Just the overall play yeah. the first 80 minutes or so when you guys really seem to be in control. What? Sorry, the last in ending of that question. You said the first 85 minutes, and then it, it started messing up again. Hello, can you hear me? I'll try to make uh, – yeah, I think we're back. Are we back? Okay, yeah, I'll make it quick. First 80 minutes, what jumped out there? You guys seem to be in control. Yeah, definitely. You know, we trained all week. We – um. You know, implemented a new formation as of last weekend. It's, it's, you know, guys are getting comfortable with it. You know, last week it was new. This week we had a little more time working on it. And I think that showed, you know, um, the, the back line was stable. We created a lot of chances. You know, the other keeper did well to stop some, some certain goals, you know. So I think the first 85 minutes was just um, a product of the chemistry built these past two weeks within the group. And getting comfortable playing with each other, creating chances, defending together, and and um, it was a solid performance throughout that. And obviously, with the red card, it's tough to maintain. But I think what you're, what everyone was seeing in the beginning, the first 85 minutes of the game was the chemistry that the guys that we worked on. Was it a big difference tactically? Um, big difference tactically. Um, yeah, there was obviously some changes since the last time we met them. You know. Um, formation change, the way we um, approach the game, the way we approach their tactics as well. There are a lot of changes between that game and this one. I think um, the staff did a great job researching the team and, and looking within and ourselves and how, how much better can we be, what can we improve on. And um, they did a great job 
translating that to to the team, you know, implementing that. And I think the changes put in were very successful. You know, like I said, it's a a performance that I'm proud of with the guys. We created a lot of chances. We defended well, didn't give up much, you know, and it's just unlucky on the point, but we take the positives on to the next one. And now you guys get ready for a lot of matches on the road. How do you prepare for that stretch and the challenge that lies ahead? Yeah, definitely. You know, we we um put in a little more work. We realized that we won't be playing in front of an amazing fan base here and won't be at home. You know, it's different different um obstacles when you're playing on the road. But this this uh side is a lot of is built of a lot of professionals with guys with a lot of experience, guys who are comfortable playing in different environments, you know. So we just work on our professionalism, put in the work. Um, build our resilience, and then we just go ahead and go through this run and taking a game at a time. Uh, Marcus, do you feel like a match like this can be a blessing in disguise? You know, you don't get all three points as you were hoping to. It's kind of frustrating, obviously, that you and the guys and coach are all frustrated. So do you feel like this can be a blessing in disguise as you get ready to hit the road to have that fire, to go get those three points and correct those mistakes? A hundred percent, you know, on the road, you can't control everything. You know, it's, it's a lot of uncontrollables. And as a team, we talk about that a lot, controlling what we can control. And, you know, a game like tonight, you play a man down. We can't control the ref's decision, but we can control the work we put in, how we approach each minute, how we approach each play. And I think this game is invaluable in that, and that, you know, obviously we took the, we didn't drop points and, um, you know, we, um, still maintain throughout the game. And you just take that, those lessons into the next games. And we use that to build our resilience to control the controllables when we play these next four uh, away games. And welcome to SA Soccer Roundtable. My name is Harry. Uh, thank you uh, to uh, Preston and the SA me- uh, social media team, uh, communications team. Uh, for sharing the interviews. Uh, a lot of good information in there. Uh, joining me tonight uh, is going to be Royce uh, and Rafa. And then uh, later on, we will be having uh, Matt Pollard, uh, the managing editor of The Last Word on Sports, uh, who covers the Colorado Springs switchbacks and the Colorado Rapids. But obviously, we're going to be talking about the switchbacks uh, coming up in about a half hour or so uh, for that here. So, Let's get started. Uh, as you can tell by the uh, post-game interviews, uh, it was a 1-1 draw. A um, little unlucky, I guess you could say, but uh, you know it took uh, a world-class performance uh, by uh, Tyler Derrick, uh, who had nine saves, in my opinion, most likely sh- should be uh, the USL uh, Championship Player of the Week. And, and uh, a world-class finish as well. So it took two <laughs> incredible feats of soccerdom to beat us. Well, not beat us, but to draw us. And that's kind of, it stings a little bit. But to know that it took two basically bits of perfection to draw, not beat us, draw us, that's very encouraging for this team. And a third one and an experienced referee. So not wrong, <laughs> not wrong. So I've, I, you know, I've uh, promised uh, Danielle in previous uh, shows that I will not harp uh, on the on the uh, referees while we're on air. It was uh, terrible, Danielle, and you know it. <laughs> I did that enough earlier in the week uh, on Twitter, so <laughs> don't need to rehash it. Uh, but no, it, you know the 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 forty second foul, you know, or forty second minute uh, with uh, Eric Pimentel. Um, and then, of course, the red car was uh, Suelo, you know, in the 80th minute. Very similar 
uh, tackles. I know they're a little bit different, you know, uh, but yeah, one was in the beginning of the game, one was toward the end, and in the beginning of the game, the ref is like, "It's I'm not going to change the game that much." And then toward the end of the game, he's like, "Oh yeah, I, I'm brave. I can change the game." It's like, "Okay, dude, you should have done it from the beginning. That would have, you know." But it's and, and and some people say, "Oh, it's, he's he's just being fair." When when refs are lenient, that, no, you're letting the other team cheat. That's all you're doing. You're letting the other I, team I cheat. I think he was very inconsistent the whole game. He Once was just very 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 like nervous not you know not sure of plays he didn't assert himself in a lot yeah. of areas he should have but let's not but, talk about the ref let's talk yes. about the gameplay because that's the important part <laughs> so starting out with the injuries uh mr snuggles is in the back room making it making an appearance already uh we'll, we'll we'll get to uh los gatos here in a, in, a, in a few minutes yeah, I know. as well we, we have our own cat appearance <laughs> Uh, injuries, uh, we're get well at the time we were getting more healthier. Uh, Jose joined uh, the injury list, but we kind of figured that was going to be the case. Uh, Justin Dillon, uh, Maloney, and Schulberg were the only other ones on the list. Uh, the other concern that we had, Sam Gleedle, uh, was not and started. So, pre game, we looked, we looked, hey, we're getting healthier. Um, yeah, so thoughts on you know, the 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 injury list going in and then, uh, you know, I'll start with you, uh, Royce here. And then of course, uh, unfortunately PC had what looks like a serious injury. Uh, and you know, for him to be carted off in my opinion tells me and, and well, how he stretched off, stretched off, stretched off, pardon. Carted off is a little bit worse. Yeah. <laughs> still off. To and, be carried off and, the pitch. Yeah. And he was in, he was in crutches still watching the match. So he didn't immediately need to go to the hospital, which is, it doesn't mean it's doesn't mean it's bad because it's still terrible, but it it I guess it it could have been worse. Like if he I don't broke see him or, playing in Colorado Springs or on the I don't trip. see him. I'll just leave him. I'll just leave. We'll him see. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean absolutely. All I'm saying is at least it wasn't to the point where it was. You know, you need emergency surgery. You did something that bad. Yeah. He hurt himself. It looked really bad. He got stretchered off, but there's that hope. But you know, it's the hope that kills you. But there's that hope. Light the um, candle, San Antonio. <laughs> I've been lighting him all day. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it. It sucks. I mean, I mean, what can you say? It was an it was non-contact. It was an Oculus. Uh, he just he had the ball at midfield. He was trying to distribute it out to his left, and something went. And it, it was hard to see. It was hard to watch. Whenever he went down, I was like, oh no. The first thing in through my mind was, oh no, who was that? And I saw him down and I was like, oh, was that Cam? And I was like, if that's Cam, you know, I'm like, that that sucks. Um we you know PC's a captain for a reason. It it I don't want to disparage any of the players on the team, but I started thinking through my head, oh, we gotta back up if it's Cam. We gotta back up if it's this person. And then I realized it was PC and I was like, we don't have a backup for PC. This is not not good. That's that's the injury that you SAFC really could least afford. And I thought that's kind of, I thought that was going to be it for this match because in the beginning of the match, let's start with the gameplay in the beginning, RGVFC really dominated possession. They had the ball. They would go out to a wing. They'd bring it back to the center backs. They distributed out to the other wing and they were just going back and forth, trying to get SAFC to come out of there. That little block that they formed with the three, four, three that they have now, 
the three and the four, um, whether that's a five, two or a three, four, um, they held steady and they held, they had, they held real close together. They didn't let it a lot through. They only had a couple chances off of that, that were kind of, I don't, I think maybe one was on goal, but Cardoni saved it. They dominated possession. They didn't really dominate the game though. Um, and, uh, I mean, that, the defensive block looked really good in the beginning of the game. Like I said, they just kept going. RGVFC kept going back and forth, back and forth, trying to pick them out to the point where they stretched themselves out too wide. And when we got possession, we attacked straight up the middle. And we had a lot of joy doing that because they didn't have a lot of guys in the middle. And so RGV had to make the first tactical adjustment, and that was get strong in the middle. Um, and they never really did that. Um, and that's why I've said F- SAFC – uh, kept trying to trying to go to the middle because they they really did have um, the numbers because uh, I mean RGV tried to spread them wide it didn't work too well and so they tried to go in the middle. Uh, Rafa, how do you feel about the uh, analysis from the beginning? What did you see? Basically, RGV was playing just a bunch of ping pong up, up <laughs> side to side the Absolutely. whole game. That's all it was. But what I did like from this game from the last game is that. SAFC kept their shape defensively. Mm-hmm. So they didn't let exactly. anything in except for the two playing the ball from the back, some couple of bad passes that, you know, we could have actually been down 2-0. There was a couple. I know uh, Matt had to save one of them. Right. Um, that's something they do need to fix there, you know, on the passing in the back. But, you know, but we kept our shape, and I think they got a little frustrated. They just couldn't, you know, break through and, Finally, we figured them out as far as – and then we started getting more and more up the field, getting the possessions, getting those through balls, and that's when we ended up getting that, that first goal, which was a beautiful play and how, the way it started. Uh, do you do you think – you're talking about kind of playing out of the back not so successfully a couple times. Do you think we need to go more with the um, – to see if Cardoni has a left foot like Ederson? And kind of bypass everything and just try to find somebody on the wing and attack that way. Find Nathan on the wing and have him drive and dribble. I, I think the issue more is we need to give the ball out of there quicker. Yeah. I think we're playing, we're just, sure. we, you know, it's okay to kind of kill some clock a little bit, play possession, but you got to get that ball out there, out of there quicker because the RGB forwards were pretty fast and they were. There were times that there were almost, you know, they sold a couple of balls. And sometimes they were close, you know. And like I said, they had two opportunities to, you know, to get up on us. So I think that's something they do need to fix is get that ball out of there, out of the box quick. Let's get the, you know, get up the field, you know, especially the formation where and get up the field a lot faster to especially if they're putting numbers up. We need to get that ball up to take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, that 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 pretty much sounds about right. Just, and, and I will say, to their credit, I'm sure it's something they've been working on. Uh, we went into the, I mean, all preseason, in the first couple matches, we really tried to stick with that four 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 two, that mid block, um, real tight four four two, and it was successful against Colorado. Um, to an extent, it was successful against um, real salt, uh, real monarchs, except for going down a man, and that kind of broke up the formation. Um, it was not successful at all against RGV, mm-hmm. and 
That's why the next week we changed to this uh, low block real close together, 3-4, or like I said, 5-2, depending on where the wingbacks are. And just how defensively stout that is, it's great, but they haven't exactly been working on playing out of the back as a team for except for two weeks. So that's going to come. Um, and, yeah, they looked a little slow. They made some mistakes. You got the season to figure that out. Hopefully people stay healthy so you get the mm-hmm. same guys on the field to keep working on that. But That's the biggest issue for me oh, is we've yet to how finish many, the game. How many what, times we've changed lineups and had to change. Well, it's not even just the lineup, but yeah. in game they've had they've had to sub people off, yeah. due, you know, due to injuries. Um, and and I was asking Rafa that, and I know I think it's Greg Luca, you know, in the in the interviews. By the uh, way, Greg Luca, dude, get some Google Fiber or something, man. Your internet can't <laughs> I was going to mention that. <laughs> Greg, uh, gonna be on right. that. Is that gonna be on the commercial now? <laughs> you know, you know, from you know, from the you know, uh, Express News, uh, for that here. Talked about. It was a hot night. It was the first hot night. The cramping, but I'm seeing a lot more lower body injuries this year. Um, is that just due to last year with it being COVID not being able to play or is it possibly something else you know, you know, I'm not trying to say it's on the staff or anything, but maybe how they're training. It's just, I don't remember seeing this many lower leg injuries going down, you know, like that here this early in the season. Cause it's, it's not even hot here in San Antonio yet. That was the hottest night, you know, so far, but it's going to get hotter. And, you know, of course, and, and just with the, amount of games that they've got coming up to me it's a little bit of a concern at this point with just how the health is stacking up so far well there's there's three things number one they're not all lowered leg uh schuberg uh pc gallegos those are either groin or hamstring injuries um, those aren't lower leg that's just or lower that's just body power. i guess i should say lower okay, body. okay lower lower body's fine leg injuries in general yes. um Number two is this high-pressing system. It is a high-pressing system. You're going to be doing a lot of running. Um, And three, it's bad luck. It's neither of those. It's bad luck. That's all it is. It's bad luck, man. Um, And it happens. Unfortunately, it happens to some teams a lot. And to some teams, it doesn't happen at all. But like we've been saying this whole time, you really hope that the injuries only happen in this part of the season and then you get to the end of the season and you're healthy and you're ready to go and you're good to go. Especially and in that's, October. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the exactly that's the bonus of having a long season. Um I mean, hopefully PC comes back. Um honestly you'd hope it was a broken bone because broken bones they heal in about eight weeks, eight to twelve <laughs> weeks, and then you're back and you know you're gonna have them for the end of the season. So We'll see, man. Muscle injuries, like I mean, like we said with Justin Dillon, uh, like we said with Schubert, they're just—you never know. You never know. Uh, it could be fine tomorrow. It could be, you know, you can go to sleep and wake up and oh, I'm fine, or you can go to sleep and wake up and okay, I'm, I I don't have a leg anymore. It's just it's not going to work. So it's one of those weird things, but it's a luck thing. So everybody listening, all SAFC fans, light some candles because we need that good juju right now. For sure. So, Rafa, we're assuming PC, most at least based on how he left the pitch, is going to be out uh, 
you know, we'll, at least for Colorado period. Springs. We'll, we'll, we'll say at least for the next game, possibly the road trip. Thoughts on who fills his spot or how, you know, the kind of rotation, you know, also Emil's going to be out next game. Due, you know, he got a red card in the 80th minute. So what kind of changes with the injury, um, you know, really, really is, is that going to impact on the midfield at this point? Well, not, not like I mentioned where we talked with Royce earlier. Now you have to move Lima inside for that role. And we're going to be a little thin there too going in, the, in this road trip. So, we're, yeah, light those candles because we can't afford another injury in, in the middle. Um, so you move him inside, uh, some options for the outside. Um, if they do change the system, you know, they could, you know, if they go to that 4-4-2, you know, you can have Epps on the outside, Guido on the right side, whichever, for flip file, wherever they want. Um, you're going to stick to that 3-4-3. That three, three. Another option would be Ollie. I think he's got the speed and the stamina to, but the only thing is that the inexperience could catch up if he's marked with someone that has a lot of experience. So, but sometimes you got to, throw them into the fire and let, and let them learn. And, you know, and it's a risk. You got, you know, you win it or you lose it, you know, so, but he's going to have to really step up his game if he's given that opportunity. So it, it's going to be, like I say, interesting what type of combination uh, they're going to have, as, you know, going into this game. Are they going to stick to this formation? Or are they going to go back to what they did in the first game? So, uh, as far as with you know, the CPC, you know, if it is something serious, you know, do we go out find somebody else, sign somebody else, which more likely probably going to, at least just to fill that, you know, that depth that dev chart because we're gonna need it if he's gonna be out for, for quite some time. So and I'm sure they're probably maybe already looking to, you know, seeing who who is out there. So there, you know, you have options, uh, but the what the risk thing is, like I said, on the bench you have inexperienced wingers like Lero Torres and Ali, you can't really trust them to put them in the starting lineup just yet. They're more role players coming from off the bench, but you know, Marcina's going to surprise you though. Yeah. And that's the thing you either sink or swim, you know, it's, you're going to have to take a chance and if it works, you know, if you get the win, Hey, great. If not, you're going to look like a genius. If not, you know, you you get the blame. So it's going to be interesting coming up this Saturday. What, you know, but I do like I said what, what lineup he goes, but I do anticipate I think Lima's gonna take that that role where, where PC's at, especially with Quayle out with the red. You know, so we'll see who they put on the wing. Royce, your thoughts on the changes in the midfield that's gonna be upcoming? Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Um, I'm kind of drawing up what I should have done on lineup to to show you, but you know, it's uh, it's Memorial Day, and I've been working my butt off in my backyard uh, to try to that's get ready for a graduation party. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, how do I feel about the formation? Uh, obviously, we could keep the three-four-three. Uh, it's going to be a little difficult just because um, kind of midfield depth kind of comes in um, comes into play there. But um, yeah, no. Whereas uh, we don't need a center back. Cal- Callum's. I'm sure he's doing all right. But um, Minnesota somebody United. somebody mentioned Callum Montgomery. Um, I will say that. So the two in the middle. Um, regardless, is probably going to be Lima and Lee. I mean, they've been the most likely people in the middle. You've had PC kind of be out on the left, uh, left wing, uh, left back or left wing back. Obviously, he's probably not going to um, play in this next match. 
So kind of my thoughts for what we'll do is we may, and, and this is kind of the difficult part is, and this is what uh, Marcin is going to have to deal with is a wingback. A wingback is a very important position because you have to play offense, but you have to really play defense because otherwise you're, you know, you're going to leave people exposed. Um, and you really have to have experienced guys to play that. Um, if, Hopefully Maloney can come back because that would solve all your problems. Gleedle and Maloney can both play left and they can play right, mm-hmm. um, which is incredible. But, you know, Maloney's got to be healthy for that. And if he's healthy, that solves it right there. Done. You really don't have to do anything. Enjoy Memorial Day. But that's probably not how it's going <laughs> to go. It's going to be um, that easy. <laughs> what I think is going to happen, though, is I think in this upcoming uh, match with Colorado, I think, uh, or Colorado Springs, we are going to pl- go back to the four four two. I think Gleedle is going to be the uh, left back. I think uh, Matthew Deplane is going to be the left back. I think as a center back pairing, you're probably going to have uh, Jasser Kamiri. Which, by the way, did Welcome you guys back. see that? Th- yeah, exactly, for sure. Did you guys see that picture of the Tunisian Terminator staring over just? hovering menacingly <laughs> over that RGB player, that RGB player looking like, what did I do? And he's just looking at him like, I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> that, that's why I love that guy. Good Lord. I'm so happy he's on her, on her team. Um, but anyway, as a center back pairing, it's either going to be a Doyle or Doyle and um, a Jasser, or um, it's going to be Varela and, uh, and Jasser. Uh, we'll see. Uh, who, do, who do you favor between those two? Who do I favor? Well, obviously, Jasser's the the to me. If Jasser's healthy, he starts. I think so. He's, so he, he's the distributor, and, and and he's and he he's a good clearance guy. I think it's probably going to be Doyle, to be honest with you, um, over Varela, and that's just because Doyle is playing over Varela. But Varela is also new. He's new to the club. He's been with the club two or three weeks. Um, well, two weeks, um, and. Matthew, I would prefer as a center back because he has been amazing, but I think he's going to have to fill in on the um, as a right back. Um, as far as the wingers, that's kind of where it gets interesting. Uh, Epps is probably going to be on the right where he was in the beginning. The left is what's going to be interesting. Um, I think it's either going to be Nathan. Nathan has been um, uh, one of the wingers um, mm-hmm. in the preseason, not in a not in a match. Or it might be Hoppy Owl. I think Hoppy Owl was the right winger um, in the RGV match oh, yes. at RGV. Yeah, um, he played a little so, bit over a half. And and, then and, was Ep- and Eps was on the left, and they kept switching back. So you will probably see that. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And then either I will say if Nathan plays as one of the wingbacks, then I think it's going to be Perusa and Patino up top, which I know a lot of people want to see. I don't know if that partnership is going to work exactly. But that's what a lot of people want to see. Um, but I think I think it's going to be Nathan and Patino. I mean, come on, man. Yes, we love Perusa. Perusa's back. We're really happy. Patino has five goals, man. Like, <laughs> what are we talking about? Um, but I think, I think he's going to be about over Nathan. But Nathan's been close. He was Nathan. Nathan, like I said, he's that guy that connects the attack with the with the midfield and the defense. You need that guy. That guy is. If, Super important, uh, especially in that um, three four one two that we've been playing as the one. He is super important. Um, but like I said, I think it's going to be Hoppy Al as one of the wingers, and be Epps as one of the wingers, and I think we go back to that four four two. 
And I'm going to bring on uh, Matthew or Matt Pollard, pardon me, uh, managing Still editor not. of Last Word on Sports.com. Uh, what I found interesting is he does have some USL experience uh, from a team no longer around, St. Louis FC. Uh, shout out to the St. Luligans. Hey, St. Louis. Uh, you know, and uh, of course, he's a beat writer for Colorado Rapids and this week's opponent, uh, the Colorado Springs Switchback. So, since we're kind of talking about what the possible week uh, will be for San Antonio with all the changes, uh, I thought it would be an excellent time to, to bring him on before we. We do have to get into one other thing from the last game here. Um, a little <laughs> bit of fun, uh, you know, for that here. Uh, so we'll do that real quick, and then what we'll get into more of the um, more of the uh, the uh, serious stuff here. The serious <laughs> stuff here. So uh, I labeled this episode "Las Gatos Blancos" for this reason right Let's here. Go. Oh, we've got a. A feline furry running on the field there. <laughs> That's one of the loudest ovations of the night. <laughs> the fans are loving it. Kitty's running to the sideline wondering if, if they're supposed to be subbed in. <laughs> And the kitty makes the run down towards the corner. He's looking for the tunnel. And he crosses out over touch there to the locker room. Well done. Oh, we've got a. Uh, thank you to uh, SAFC uh, Twitter and, and USL Championship Twitter, uh, you know, for that here. Oh, Roy, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Springfield, Missouri, so I'm a. Uh, that's that's uh, that's my. Uh, so, my, so since you brought on the, the, the Cardinals we, and, and Matt's in, in, I'm assuming, the Denver area, I believe, yes. is, is where you are. Yikes. How, how excited <laughs> were you uh, that the uh, Rockies paid uh, St. Louis to take uh, their best player? Uh, the Rockies are a good example of what I think has been really poor sports management by the various <laughs> front offices in recent years here are, are, in are you- are you saying the Colorado Rockies are the New York Cosmos of the Major League Baseball? Oh, I don't. I mean, I mean, they haven't done anything illegal, so <laughs> I guess that we know of yet. Yeah, that we know of. Like they are. Um, oh God, what's uh? You know, they're more. Um, uh, they're like Fulham three years ago in the Premier League, where they spent a hundred million dollars and ultimately didn't even like stay up or anything. You know, they, <laughs> they signed they Arenado. They played they a hunt. in yeah, transfer sorry, fees, yeah. So, um, you know, the Rockies paid a big, huge contract to Arenado, thinking that that was going to be them being in contention. Two years later, it sounds out that that season was just a flash in the pan. And then, so basically, because possibly fueled by COVID, also because the team's been bad, they realistically they don't sell out. The Cardinals are in town, and you will see more Cardinals red than you will Rockies purple at Coors Field and everything. Uh, really, really bad for them. So um, credit to the switchbacks and credit to the Rapids, who have spent wisely, done a good job keeping their talent. <laughs> and also, I don't think the switchbacks are going to be trading Haji Berry and then also giving a million dollars in transfer fee to San Antonio anytime soon. Never say never. I, I will say... Um, yeah, that full in comparison, that that kind of that kind of hurts because uh, yeah, for sure they were like, let's play a hundred million dollars on all these players, but keep the same tactics and the exact same coach and 
not learn anything from her lesson. And that's basically where the Rockies are right now because Bud Black is doing a really bad job and they've kept all the other same players. And Trevor's story is great, but let's be real. I think it's, uh, I think it'll be, it'll, it'll be further proof of the trend if Story ends up leaving in free agency to the Yankees or wherever <laughs> and then ultimately just leaves that. And then, like, that's proof that, you know, the, the Rockies are, the Rockies are the swope park of the NL West. Oh. And then there's the Broncos. Uh, Those are (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Elway, you are great as a player, as a GM. Please, please just step back. Hey, Drew Drew Locke's from Missouri. Drew Locke's fine. He'll, uh, Uh, I don't know. He's a meme who occasionally throws a football. They they, they didn't need Patrick Sertan and the Broncos. (laughs) Dallas did. I know Dallas, we needed him. Yeah, they need a. No, Broncos need a cornerback help too, because they they let uh, what Chris Harris go. I think this uh, Chris Harris, right? They let him go, so it's spent a lot of money. Terrell, Broncos need Terrell Davis 2.0 for sure. Okay, it will uh, give you Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> Let's get back Professor on topic. Are we yeah, talking yeah, about Harry, point of order. I thought this was a, a, a soccer podcast to talk about the switchbacks. Hey, you, you said your last word on sports is the site you 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 represent. So I was like, hey, you know, well-rounded. Okay, guy. okay. My last word is but the, the abs are good, right? The the abs are doing fine. Yeah, the abs the, are doing fine. Yeah, fine. if the abs beat Vegas, they'll win the cup. <sighs> Mm, have you seen Boston play? Uh, and Ta- Tampa, I think Tampa goes back to back. I would put money on that, but we'll see. And then there was a hit last night, so that's that was that Reeves, was man. Re- that's that's what Reeves does. That's who Reeves is. It's a, Reeves and Kadri. That's what they do, man. That's what they do. And I mean, Colorado, Colorado's been without Kadri for eight games, and they upheld the suspension. Because you know what Kadri is? He's a headhunter. You know what Reeves is? Reeves just Reeves just is a bruiser, but he's taller than everybody, so he hits people in the head. Kadri's shorter than everybody, so he launches himself into the head. And that's why the NHL is more likely to suspend Kadri for a long time than Reeves. I think Reeves gets a couple games, though, because that was not good. That was nasty. Not a good score. The game matters. But uh, So how about the switchbacks, guys? Yeah. Uh, how about? Well, do you Weiner really Field? want to talk about the switchbacks after their uh, last match, which uh, was not uh, very good against uh, New Mexico United in the home opener? It started out great. Uh, Haji Berry got the opening goal, and then it kind of fell apart from there. Here, but uh, you know the the switchbacks. Obviously, they played us the first game, uh, lost three uh, zero. Went on the road to Sporting Kansas City two. Uh, one very convincing four over there, um, which, you know, El Paso was not able to do that. Uh, they, they drew a 0-0 uh, to them here. So the Mountain Division is showing that anybody can beat anybody on any different day. And to me, it's the deepest division um, out there. You know, maybe not any clear-cut favorites like Phoenix, you know, in, in the Pacific. Parody. But it this division... Top to bottom, I, I think is going to be the toughest division. You know, you know, by the time the end of the season rolls around here. But switchbacks. The first thing we have to talk about is the new stadium. Um, the, it, to me, being from Colorado, having spent some time in Colorado Springs, um, to me, it's it's a great addition to Colorado Springs and and Colorado overall. Um, I know they've already I think hosted the high school playoffs there uh, for soccer, if if uh, my memory is correct here. And I know they got the Olympic Training Center. They've got the Air Force Academy down there. Um, I've been to the old Widener Field, um, which I thought was okay. Um, 
I, I, you know, it's better than going to a baseball stadium. Um, and, you know, obviously the walk down from, you know, the, you know, the players walking down the, the stadium was pretty cool. Um, kind of unique, but uh, outside of the beer prices, which I've heard are uh, uh, $16 rocky mountain high, as we will yes. say. <laughs> yeah, 16 bucks for, you know, a 16 ounce of Coors Light, not the, uh, not your family friendly pricing. Those are, uh, those are Jerry World um, prices. But aren't aren't they watered down? Uh, that's what it was that, that that is that's a good Utah. question. That's Utah. Oh, Utah. Okay. U- Utah has to be what, like two percent maximum, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Colorado, Colorado, you're up in. Well, to be fair, you're up in the mountains. It's kind of high, so you don't need to drink that much. But either way, sixteen dollars. That's uh, yikes. So the to, to answer the original question, Harry, the uh, beer prices notwithstanding, I think, you know, I was at the home opener. I was there really early. Fantastic venue. Um, really, really close. Nice seating that you actually have. If you're on the north side, conveniently, at least uh, it was where the curse were congregating. I'm not sure if it, it would be the north east corner of the stadium where the away supporters that might be their designated area you have a really really good view of pike's peak just to the it'd be to your left obviously southeast southwest facing of the skybox area that they have there's really no bad seat in the house it's in an ideal location in terms of being really really close to downtown there's a lot of really decent parking options some of which you do have to pay for, which kind of adds a little bit extra expense if you're driving in from San Antonio. But, um, you know, a fantastic venue. I think of every single team in the USL Championship right now that is playing in a uh, baseball stadium gets that in an ideal location downtown for their market and everything. Um, you know, it'd be it'd make the USL Championship way better. So um, fantastic atmosphere with just the 5,600 fans that we had on that a couple Fridays ago for 70% capacity. And right now we just got word, at least in Colorado, that the Rockies and the Rapids, uh, as of July 1st, are able to go 100% capacity. So the Rapids normally have a 4th of July home game that they have. That'll be at the full 18,061 seated capacity that they're able to have. I would presume then by that first home game that the switchbacks have in July, they would be able to go up to the full 8,000 and everything. Um, standing room seating all along the south side that I think makes a lot of supporters groups who don't have that in their stadium set up uh, a little bit jealous. So, yes, yeah, so the beer price is steep, yes, but the architecture is really cool. It's you know a nice, fancy new stadium. They've got two really good shirts, and as we'll talk to in a bit, getting towards what I think can, by the end of the season, be a competitive product on the field. So... You know, and, and it's a great story, and, and you released a story on it this afternoon. Uh, Austin doing, uh, due to his commitment to the Air Force Academy being uh, reassigned, uh, you know, I guess he's going to pilot school uh, based on, on your article. So um, his last match was against New Mexico United. Um, what, you know, who kind of steps in and fills his spots? Because watching the, the switchbacks game, Colorado Springs, and I know it's only three games, uh, you know, for you guys. There's periods of times where Haji Berry seems to disappear, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from it here. Where and, and it, I don't think it's fault for him. I think it's just the connection to be able to get the ball, you know, from the back, you know, up up to him. So who kind of steps in for Austin? And you know, you know how how do you, how do you think that the switchbacks kind of fill in to be able to get Haji more involved on a more consistent basis? 
Yeah, so I think to answer your first question, I think the simplest like-for-like position that you have filling in, you know, it's it, they called it a 4-2-3-1 on the home opener. For my money and at least the direction that uh, Brendan Burke wants to go in on paper, it's going to be more of a 4-3-3. Doing came out for Philip Mayaka, the Generation Adidas product that was drafted by the Rapids and has been loaned down to the Number switchbacks. Three. Yes, so I would presume that he would be the like-for-like switch as well, but also Doing was a little bit more mobile, whereas I think Mayaka is very much more of a forward-thinking central kind of a player so i'm wondering if burke is going to maybe try and pull a do we inevitably want to work towards having a triple pivot in the midfield in which case i think lewis or then maybe having uh ronnie arguda the old statesman um come in and then have two of the other midfielders move up a little bit more but there's options there there's versatility they lose a really good player in austin doing they obviously lose somebody you know who fought bled cried for the shirt in the case of um you know when he was subbed out and everything in the 70th mm-hmm. minute of the home opener and everything so they lose that but they've got a bunch of different pieces they could fill in i'm curious to see what brennan burke does and in that i don't think there's an obvious option unless you just wanted to go like for like in which case you just plug in Mayaka's the starter this saturday your question any questions for royce um, I mean, not really it Colorado's issues have, they've kind of continued to be honest. Um, in the first match against SAFC, it just, like you were saying, uh, Haji Berry just kind of gets, it's supposed to be three up front, mm-hmm. and then he, well, what happens is, I mean, it's supposed to be four, three, three. Well, he gets separated because those other three come back to defend because they're kind of weak on the wings. And then Haji Berry is just up there by himself and it turns into basically a four, five, one. Um, and that one is just on a lonely island, um, and that and that happened against New Mexico, and that's why New Mexico kind of countered, and uh, they only had that one chance, and that uh, that one chance for Colorado Springs was it was kind of on a counter, um, and somebody actually went up with Haji Berry. You had them two pass, and and there's a goal, and then that was Austin doing? Yeah, it was doing. He well, went he go. went out wide from there the midfield to fill the open space that Zandy had left by dropping back and everything. So I guess, you know, it kind of coupled there because, uh, Harry, I didn't answer yeah. your original question about Haji. You know, I think, yes, he phases in and out of games. I think that's just who he is as the player given, you know, his time as a youth level. I think if he was more consistent, let's be real, he's probably coming off the bench in MLS right now. Yes. Yeah. So I, I just think that's the reality of who he is as the player. I guess my more concern is the production that they're actually getting from the wide positions. I haven't been really impressed with Zandi, anything that he's done on the ball. And Nangalina is really, really fast in everything, but you know he doesn't really have that finishing product in everything. So can he be an outlet from a, hey, I'm out in wide space with nobody within 15 yards of me. You know, if somebody out of the back like Edwards pings a 40-yard ball to me, can I get it forward and everything? But he can't really beat, you know, a one-on-one, a defender, 1v1. <clears throat> I mean, he hasn't weaponized his speed in terms of getting around somebody and then actually having the finished product. So maybe it's just because, you know, some of these guys are new to the club and everything. But I think there's there's a chemistry issue that I think guys need to understand their tendencies a little bit better. And then also, I think we need to see a little bit more goal production from other people. And other guys had chances in that game with New Mexico. You know, Barry probably had the best two that they had, one of which was mm. the goal. But, you know, especially with New Mexico playing down a ba- down a man, Zandy didn't finish. Doing had two really good chances. He didn't finish. Can Mayaka do that? We haven't seen that from him yet. Other guys have to finish their opportunities. If it's just Haji, can he get 10, 15 goals this season? I think absolutely. Can he do that by having to be a battering ram and having to, you know, spoil five chances for every one that he actually gets on goal? Because, you know, as you said, Harry, he's all alone 
against the center backs and everything. That's a recipe for Barry to pad his stats. That's not a recipe for getting fourth in this division. Mm-hmm. Right. Rafa, any questions? Uh, I want to ask Matt, uh, going into this game, uh, what changes do you see as far as uh, from the first game to this game? You see Colorado's going to do against San Antonio. Uh, between uh, Colorado's uh, – between the home opener at Widener Field or yeah. between the opening game of the season? The opening game of the season. Yeah, from the first – yeah. Well, I think uh, – The I first think meeting. The, yeah, I think, the, uh, I think the pressing triggers and how they go about doing that is certainly going to be a lot cleaner. That was much, much better in the game against New Mexico. They were bossing that from uh, probably about the first 30 minutes on just with what they were doing. So I would think the – I think they'll be more organized in that regard as opposed to one guy pressing and the other guy not knowing where they're supposed to be. So I think especially with them having two weeks to prepare for that game and having that sour taste mm-hmm. in the mouth of losing the home upper to New Mexico when they were in control 30 minutes in, I think they'll be better in terms of a pressing standpoint. They're obviously going to be two weeks fitter, training at altitude, going down to San Antonio and everything. Whether or not the finishing is really there, I'm not entirely sure because – Again, doing was the main straw that was stirring the drink in terms of creating offensive chances from midfield into the final third. And now they've lost him. Does two weeks of Mayaka training regularly, knowing that potentially he's going to be the starter with doing being out there. Does he look a little bit more impressive because he was a nervous wreck on the ball. Uh, once he came in with 10 man field, with 10 man uh, playing up a man against New Mexico. I just, I don't know what it was, but I think the, the, the experience and ultimately the quality of New Mexico really showed through in those final 30 minutes, because yes, they were down a man, but they were in complete control of the mm-hmm. game. And I just felt like the switchbacks, they were chasing the game. And in that they were panicked and they didn't really know what to do. Maybe playing on the road, Burke's going to have them be a little bit more pragmatic. I certainly hope they're going to be better in the first half and everything. But I think if they can keep the game a little bit closer, if they can press a little bit better and get a little bit more production from their wingers and whoever's doing anything it's doing, they'll certainly look a lot better and be happier with the 90 minute performance, whether or not they get a result. I still have some concerns about. Well, the one interesting thing is San Antonio struggles just like most teams up, you know, in, in Colorado. I don't, I don't, I'm trying to see if they've actually won up there. Um, I know they get a lot of ties. I think that seems to be, um, yep. you know, um, you, you know, a good result for San Antonio is if they if they can walk away with a, a draw up there, uh, for for whatever reason. Um, so that's one thing that I do think that uh, Colorado Springs does have the advantage on is through there. Now, I do think this is a different San Antonio team with the pressing with the Patino. The the this team's very MLS laden in talent. You know, with with the Lonies and and you know like Patino coming down from. Uh, Orlando City, you know, signing on here. Gleedle spending some time with Minnesota United, uh, you know, for right here. So I've also noticed that there's been a change in goalkeepers, uh, you know, f- you know, from the first game to uh, I think it's the last two games that um, it's been uh, was it Pannenberg, Andrew yes. Pannenberg, um, over I think it was uh, Abraham Rodriguez uh, mm-hmm. that was started. Through there, what kind of difference does Pannenberg bring compared to uh, Rodriguez? Um, well, Rodriguez is certainly a lot younger. I think he's 19, 20 years old. He's another Rapids homegrown, at least in my time covering soccer here in Colorado. I've been hearing back 
about for the past three or four years. Um, Abrod's, you know, certainly a little bit more raw, I think a little bit more emotional. He's proven himself to be a really good shot stopper and has, you know, like more reflexes. So I guess uh, he's the closer thing to being a gato if he was a um, Central or South American goalkeeper. I think Pannenberg's better with his feet playing balls out of the back and he's certainly been better in terms of organizing things so his communication especially with Edwards coming in you know they've had just a little bit more rotation there from a defensive standpoint just because of how late things got started and mm-hmm. there's a cat in the background yes <laughs> Mr. Snuggles yes it's a cat show here folks um <laughs> you know so I, I think you know Pannenberg's more veteran I think he's better in organizing organizing the back line and he's slightly better in terms of playing out of the back when they want to do that that being said I think they bring enough different skill sets between the two of them. And I think Burke wants to have an open competition to constantly have them testing each other that I think both will continue to get minutes. I wouldn't take Pannenberg starting in the home opener as an indication that Abrod got benched or that he's not going to be seen at any point the rest of the season. So, and just to kind of confirm what I thought here, uh, the, the season series, three wins uh, for switchbacks, three draws and four wins for uh, SAFC and of course they got the uh, fourth win uh, this year in in the first game on May 1st here so uh, these two teams uh, have been very even uh, as we can tell here and I think a lot of it's home and away I think uh, Colorado Spring, uh, Spring struggles down here we struggle up there as far as getting uh, results here so I know Viking Bob uh, you know is posting that you know he's thinking 3-0 I don't think it's going to be I don't think it's going to be that. I think, you know, it's going to be more of a defensive um, thing here. You know, would I I object to Patino getting another hat trick? No. Uh, But uh, I think it's going to be, you know, you know, one, one, you know, maybe two, one score here. Cause I do think uh, both teams will give up goals. Just, you know, just uh, I think the offensive power with Haji Berry, you know, he's to me, he's one of the best uh, for it here. So, for Colorado Springs to win, you know, what do you think that they have to do uh, against uh, San Antonio to, to walk away with the three points? What do they need to do in order to actually win the game? Well, I think they have to they have to defend better in moments where they were disorganized. You know, that game against San Antonio, they just got pulled apart and they didn't really they didn't react well. They didn't put out fires well. Mm-hmm. And so I think they need to do they, they could do certainly better. And maybe this is where the pressing comes in, where they press well enough to where those little embers metaphorically don't turn into full on bonfires and everything. And they need to do better individually one v one depending on the offensive side. I think it's, you know, as I said before, I think it's definitely feed Haji Berry, but the wingers have to get more involved. You need to see more offensive contributions in the midfield. Is that Mayaka? Is it Zandi finally getting his first goal or assist? You know, is it Nangalina actually beating the outside back that he's playing? If one of those three things happening so happens so that it's just not all on somebody pass the ball to Haji Berry in a good position and him finish in a relatively difficult chance. I think that's going to be more conducive to them being successful, but just going in there and hoping that Barry can get two bangers because, you know, I, I don't think the switchbacks are getting a clean sheet in this one will not be a recipe for success. Somebody else has to make life easier for him or do something themselves. Royce, what does San Antonio have to do? And, and I'll also ask you, Rafa, what does San Antonio have to do to, to get the three points? I mean, uh, without sounding like a broken record, same thing they did opening night. Um, and it's kind of the same thing we've seen, uh, it, like I said. And so what's interesting is what we talked about with the injuries and how it's almost forcing Marcina to go to the four four two. That's exactly what we beat Colorado Springs with. And I think it's going to be a very similar thing, just that, 
Colorado Springs is very susceptible to the press. We saw that in the first match that we played them. We saw that in New Mexico. New Mexico even went down a man, and they were still very susceptible to the press. So I think it's going to be a very pressing 4-4-2, and that, that's how you do it. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. How's that? Your thoughts, Rafa? Sorry. Uh, I think they shouldn't take on because I don't, I don't think they'll take them lightly this go around, especially playing in the altitude. That That's the thing, the fitness. How, how are they going to adjust to the altitude? Maybe some of the players have not been a, had the opportunity to play in Colorado. You know, you know, we've been like I said, this past week we were cramping up, you know, are we, are they going to run out of gas? You know, especially with the pressing, you know, if you're going to press, you know, especially the altitude, you're going to get tired a lot quicker. So I think what they need to do, they need to pace themselves, kind of pick their, pick their battles here and there. If they do see something they can exploit, exploit it, but and, and take and then take advantage of those situations like opportunities like we've we squandered as far as putting the ball in the net they have to put those in the net because this is going to be a lot closer game like i said there's a lot of factors going into this one since the beginning since the very first meet meet up so like i guess in order for safc they're going to have to finish off their you know their opportunities pace themselves and you know just keep a good, def- you know, good de- keep their good defensive shape like they had the last couple of weeks. So having made San Antonio's traveled up to Colorado Springs, uh, I, you know, I've been lucky enough to be to go all th- to all three of them. I won't be able to make the trip this time here. San Antonio scored one goal in in Colorado Springs. Uh, it's a one zero one 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 zero. So this game typically is a very tight, very defensive. Um, match now. The last match was in 2019 in Colorado Springs, uh, and I know we have a new coach and new system since then. That's so, the big thing. That's the key. Yep. That's so to me, like I said here, but it has been one of those places. Just like with RGV, seems like no matter what kind of lead you get, they always seem to find a way to sneak back in. Colorado Springs, at least so far in, in the young young history, has proven to be on the road a challenging place, and it's you know it's just with the altitude and. <clears throat> Um, I'm thinking it's going to be a one, one, two, one match. Uh, you know, I'd probably lean if it's two, one more San Antonio, uh, along those lines here, but, uh, Matt, any final thoughts or any questions that you have for Royce or Rafa? Cause you know, the, they are, uh, the intelligent ones when it comes to the tactical <laughs> side. Yeah. So I guess the, the one thing that I'll say in regard to Rafa's point about doing a good job. Yes. The switchbacks are still a team that are susceptible to the press. One thing that I think we could see change with that is if we see Ronnie Arguda back in, then I think we see the other two midfielders push up and Arguda is just cleaner on the ball as a number six. And then if you have more guys in the midfield who are actually able to play through, then it's cleaner in terms of them getting things into the attacking half of the field. That makes it so that the wingers don't have to push back in order to try and find the ball. And then those are easier outlets and everything. So that's something that certainly the switchbacks didn't do well when they were up a man against New Mexico United. Obviously, it's something they did terrible against San Antonio. If they're just cleaner in the midfield or if those wingers, again, are in positions to where they're actually easier outlets from a passing standpoint, then we're going to see much cleaner playing out of the back. But I think this game's ultimately going to come down to, I think, who does a better job of pressing in this game because I think the switchbacks have gotten better on it. I think they'll be better against San Antonio than they were against New Mexico. And that's still the key weakness defensively for the switchbacks right now. And something as San Antonio's proven, they can do against them very well. 
Matt, I want to thank you for hopping on here, and I'm sure we'll uh, be discussing because uh, I think we play each other what four times this year, so we're halfway done at this point here. So yep, later uh, later on in the season, we'll have to get together, and, and hopefully Colorado's got a little bit more uh, games underneath the belt, uh, you know, to be able so, to kind of so we can figure out where they are. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's it's it, you know, that's the odd thing, you know, with with the short season to have a bye week this early. Cause you know, later on they're going to, you know, they're going to have to make up those games. Um, you know, it, it's why to me last night, I think it was last night or yeah, Sunday night uh, that the bold match was canceled, uh, even though Tacoma had already had flew down uh, due to the weather here. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> but okay. I do want to thank you coming on Matt. Uh, like I said here, yeah, appreciate you hopping on and, and like I said here, please. Thanks, Please make sure you do, uh, you know, if you want to follow Matt, if you'll go ahead and, and give your uh, uh, Twitter handle. Oh, uh, at LWS Matt Pollard. Um, and then it's at last word SC for um, the site. And then for the podcast holding the high line, it's Rapids. It's at Rapids 96 podcast. So, yeah, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. And certainly uh, uh, I won't be there at the uh, at this game. But, um, you know, anybody coming up to either see a Rapids game or generally be in Colorado wants advice about <laughs> hiking or anything or just wants to hang out and grab a beer. Now that the pubs are open and that I'm fully vaccinated, feel free there to <laughs> Yes, we are a fully vaccinated show here. So. Good stuff. <laughs> but appreciate it, Matt. All right. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, thanks Matt. Thank much. All right. That was Matt Pollard, uh, managing editor from uh, Last Word uh, on uh, on sports. Uh, you know, and, and of course, uh, you know, he does a lot of the soccer coverage uh, for the Rapids and switchbacks here. So to me, like I said here, I find this game very interesting. Just from my experience, every time I made the trip up to Colorado Springs, I'm always confident that uh, they'll be able to pull it out because they've had the San Antonio's always seemed to have the better talent, but up there it has not equaled. Now it is a new stadium, um, you know. From my understanding, it's a larger stadium, so it you know I think he said what 5,800 was was uh, there previously, so I would expect probably a similar number. Well, uh, I, I think he meant I think he meant 5,800, as in that's what the social distance. Right, social assistance number, yeah, because it's a right. eight to nine thousand. Yeah, eight thousand. I think it. I think it's similar to Toyota Field and stuff. Yeah. Right. So, but if you get the opportunity to go, um, I know the checks aren't going to this one here, but I know they're going to the second one up there. Um, check it out because that stadium, you know, from everything I've read, outside of the beer prices, um, is for is is first class, and, and I know is that the Trailheads, uh, their supporters groups, uh, does an awesome. Uh, tailgate pregame, um, or at least they did at the old stadium. Um, so you can go up there and uh, drink the beers going into the stadium, and <laughs> there you as go. opposed to paying thirteen, sixteen dollars for a beer. But that's uh, nuts, little man. bottles in. I'll say, I, I mentioned Jerry World because the most expensive beer at a stadium I've seen was that I went to as a Club America against uh, Barcelona uh, years back, and. Um, I was like, you know, it was my first time in Jerry World, and I was like, yeah, I wouldn't mind a beer and watching this. This is amazing. I mean, you have that big screen. You're just you don't know what to do with yourself. You don't know whether whether to watch the huge screen up there or actually watch stuff. We were like in the third row or something, and I was like, let me get a beer. This will be fine. It'll calm me down because I'm uber excited. Went to the line, and it was fifteen dollars for a Bud Light, and then they had like a or you can get like a double shot of whatever uh, Jack and Coke with double shot. They wanted $30 for that. I was like, Good God. imagine getting a $30 drink. At a, it's just insane. Neither here nor there. Um, 
but I, the stadium looks great on TV. Um, uh, hopefully the experience there is, is awesome. Hopefully it doesn't hail there randomly for no reason, 30 <laughs> minutes for a game again. Um, but it's, it looks cool. I'm really happy for the city of uh, Colorado Springs. I'm really happy for uh, the switchbacks to get that. It's really cool. Yeah, and like said, hopefully uh, uh, New Mexico United and El Paso will get a stadium. Um, just for the fact that, like I said here, uh, I, I'm I'm super excited. If if I wasn't going to Cancun the next uh, next morning, um, you know, I we would have definitely been making that trip up, uh, you know, for that here, because they keep it on a Saturday, so where you can drive up Friday night, get there, yeah. and then yeah. drive back Sunday, even though it's a yeah. long drive. You can How about still that RGV? Imagine that. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm crazy enough that I'll pack the family in the car and do that. So. There you go. There you go. Uh, but I got family up there, so it makes it a, a whole lot easier. Um, one other, final thought here before well, before we get into final thoughts, we do have to touch base on the Athenians. Um, unfortunately, it was a rough weekend up uh, playing. Uh, uh, you know, playing this week here uh, for that. Here they lost six zero to. Um, Lone, Star. Lone Star Republic um, goals in the first and third minute uh, by Lloyd Boswell in the 40th and 68th minute Kessler in the 44th minute Hall in the 76th minute. I watched the game. It is on Lone Star Republic's uh, YouTube page here. And, and like I said here, if, if you want to, if you want to watch it, but it was just an ugly game from the start. You know, it was one of those games that, you know, as a coach, you probably just delete the film because it just, you know, it just wasn't their night, you know, just, you know, right from the start. And, you know, it, it was a game that got out of hand quick and, you know, hopefully they'll be able to turn it around. Uh, I know it's just, that that's just, that's, it's one of those matches where it's their first road match. Um, they're probably not, you know, you're not used to that your first time. It's, it kind of happens and then they score in the first minute and they get punched in the mouth. And you got to react when that happens, and they just didn't react. So hopefully next time, they know what they they've seen that before, and they know you know how to react better. And that's it's just from the start, it just didn't go their way. Um, hopefully they turned it around on the road at home. They're obviously dominant. They just got to replicate that. This week they do play on the road against Wilco up in Austin, Round Rock, I believe is where they're going to be playing. Uh, you know, Wilco's a, a young team, first year team. Um, I would expect them to come away with the win. It's a closer one there. The other big announcement uh, that they did announce here is they are once again going to be hosting an international friendly, the Senate, you know, on June 16th, 7 30 at Blossom Athletic Center. And of course, you can get tickets now, but they will be facing Club America Feminal. Um, Rafa. Since you're our Liga MX uh, expert here, uh, what kind of match do you think that the that they should see uh, facing? I think it was what 2018 uh, the uh, Feminel uh, you know Liga MX winners uh, for that here. Yeah, this should this should be a fun game. Um, learning experience for the Athenians. Yeah, like I said Club America Feminil. They're one of the top female teams in, in Liga MX. Uh, they're always in contention for the title every year. Uh, so, but this is a great, you know, this is a great way to, you know, sh- showcase the, the, the feminine soccer in Mexico. And maybe out of this, you know, they'll have, you know, who could say we, you know, we've had some Athenians. I had opportunities to play down there for Club America with, like, uh, on the Merlin Campo play down there. So mm-hmm. not just with Pumas. So 
just a great opportunity and you know hopefully maybe club america notices some of those players for the lithuanians so hey you know we want to we want to test you out see if you can play down here you know it's so it's it's a win-win like i said you bring in an inter, uh, international team and hopefully like i said buy your tickets you know pack up you know you know blossom, the blossom athletic blossom. center and and it was to say you know you know, I know the the big thing is bringing a, a professional women's soccer team. Well, here's an opportunity to prove an opportunity, yep. huge opportunity to Absolutely. prove that hey, we can we can handle that. So, you know, go out there support support them, and like I said, it, it's going to be a fun, interesting match. My uh, final question to you, and this will go both to uh, Royce and Rafa here. Uh, men's national teams uh, they played. Uh, uh, Switzerland, I believe it was. U.S. played Switzerland, and then Mexico played Iceland. Yep. Thoughts on, and I know they're friendlies, and I know Switzerland's gearing up, uh, and so is Iceland gearing up for the Euros. The Euros, uh, Euros. They kick off in two weeks, I believe. I what the eleventh? Less than that, maybe. Yeah. Two weeks it's here. Soon, soon, soon. Um, so obviously they're they're getting into a little bit of form where. Uh, I think the Gold Cup's still a little bit of ways, right? I know they got the CONCACAF. Uh, it's going to be league. the Nations. It's Nations League is going to be the big ticket thing that's happening. Uh, and that's soon. up in Colorado. Oh, should I should ask Matt about that. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> since he's up there. <laughs> Sorry, that was a miss Matt. on our side. That's, yeah. <laughs> didn't think so about that's it. An, uh, that's, an, that's another home game for Mexico <laughs> with the altitude. Like they're like in, in Mexico City, so yeah. You and I were talking about that. How how for Mexico it, it kind of fits. It fits, you know, where they train, especially with the altitude. And I know it's a drier heat, but you know, what you mentioned, I guess, is kind of very similar with Mexico City as well. I thought it was more humid down there, but uh, uh, you were telling me it's not as humid as I was trying to lead it to believe. But um, I know you follow uh, Mexico a little bit more, Rafa, here, but uh, your thoughts on how they performed this past week and, and kind of expectations coming up for them. I, th- I think the big concern is with Tata is finding a central uh, 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 a center forward with um, uh, Raul Jimenez. Raul maybe. Jimenez out with that head injury. Mm-hmm. And he, he really he's, – he's, he's more the – uh, when you see, we see Harold Jimenez, he's a very physical forward. He will pound you. But that opens up for like Tecatito and Chucky or whoever's on, on the outside, you know, opportunities to set up those plays. So we don't really have that. I know Henry Martin from Club Americas, I know he's taking that role. Eventually he'll, like I said, it's going to take him time to, to get comfortable with that because he is a physical player. But he's not at the caliber as you know Raul Jimenez. You you know look at the great things he's done at Wolves. Um, you know he's played you know some European league to play, and he's you know I know this year they went down, you know because of injuries. You know they went down down the table. But uh, I think like I said, it's a learning. I know he's using this as a learning experience for a lot of the players to kind of, especially especially those uh, the kids uh, one from the for the world uh, from the Olympics. You know with the Mexico team. I know he'll probably use some of the old players. So. That's then, if the Olympics are being played. Uh, you know, I'm still yeah, that, that's a that's the question mark, yeah. But if you look at the, some of the players that they have that played on that team, you know, mm-hmm. they have they do have roles playing, you know, with the first team. So, And I think he's going to use this to figure out what, what he's going to do for the Gold Cup, you know, what what 22 players he's going to – or 24 players or whatever they have, 
going into in July. So, but it's it's you know, like I said, I saw highlights of the game. Chucky Lozano. You know what can you say about him? He's uh, I'm surprised that uh, I'm sure he's going to get calls from some European teams pretty soon to play. And now they got you know their head coach Monopoly took off to Fiorentina. He, he's I think he'd be a great fit. Uh, maybe you know even like at Arsenal or even at you know Man- Manchester United. I think he would be a good you know player to have on there to play up up front with them. So trying not to laugh. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's what some of some some of the some of some of the no, uh, but, but Le- Lozano was Lozano was arguably Napoli's uh best yeah. player on their team for scoring uh, offensive player on their team and a lot of chances uh were created through him and his speed but um yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see what happens. Honestly, I hope Raul Jimenez comes back because I mean that was it was an ugly injury, and you never like to see that. I know it was very promising, and they were saying, unfortunately, um, uh, Spiritu Santo is probably going to Tottenham. I think that's the rumor. Mm-hmm. So we'll see who ends up coaching um, uh, the Wolves, and uh, we'll see uh, when he comes back healthy. Hopefully, he does because I mean, that, and Raul could end up end up at Tottenham. Huh? Tottenham him if they saw Harry uh, Harry that's, Harry that's Kane true. wants some he's yeah. on his way out so he'd probably right. be the perfect replacement for that for them a lot of a lot of teams are looking at Harry Kane for sure because Tottenham it's ugly yep. Royce your thoughts on and I know you're wearing a U.S. Uh, shirt USA shirt here your thoughts on their performance um There's there's some good things and some bad things in that performance. It was very much there was a lot of experimenting um, mm. with uh, some other positional play. You saw again the inverted um, inverted wingbacks happening again, but this time both on the left and the the right. Um, kind of the issue that the U.S. saw was that Brendan Aronson wasn't coming back to cover for whenever Serginho Dest went up uh, and the midfielder. Um, on that side, either Weston McKinney or um, uh, who's who's who was there on the left in the start. I I, I can't think off the top of my head, but um, they weren't covering for whenever Serginho would go up. So it was kind of it was whoever went up, Switzerland would play the ball, get it to him, and it would basically be him one on one with John Brooks. So that's something to uh, to figure out in the cleanup. Um, it did look good going forward. The press was very good. Even Switzerland was susceptible to the the press the U.S. put on. You just got to figure out how to keep that contained and to keep it from uh, getting his getting countered as they did. They just they just kind of got countered. Uh, but there's a lot of promising um, moments in that match. Um, I'm sure Mexico is the same. They went down early. They came back. Um, it's it's promising for both sides. Um, uh, obviously, that Switzerland is a much better team uh than iceland um but you know they're both good european teams looking to make some noise in the euros and uh we'll see what happens in the Concacaf nations league and championship or champions league uh finale chelsea uh eked out a one win over man city which uh was a little bit surprised thought man city was going to pull it out um any thoughts on that uh and you know, pep uh, in my uh, opinion Lost the game 
and I know Choke, Royce disagreed. Again. <laughs> Royce disagreed. Uh, See, uh, I know. I I I disagree. I disagree with that. Like, I I understand where he's coming from. <laughs> Basically, what Chelsea does is that they they kind of Chelsea does what SAFC does is that they really clog it. They clog that midfield. They clog the wings. They bring people to get compact, and it's really tough to play through them. Uh, the way to break that is to connect that midfield with your, you know, with a, with a good striker up front, and that's what they did. Was that they went with that four one four one? That's how you break that. You get it to that guy, he holds it, and then you distribute it out. And that's why Sterling started, and that's why you saw uh, Phil Foden. And they made a lot of good chances. Did they get shots on net? No. Does a chance have to get a shot on net? No, it doesn't. And they got through Chelsea. They got through that Chelsea press a lot, and they got a lot of joy. It just couldn't get by their center back. And the moment that had a hell of a game. Yeah, the moment that changed the game was when Rudiger elbowed De Bruyne and broke his orbital bone, broke his nose. That was the moment that that changed the game, and that arguably should have been a red card. Uh, that was, and Rudiger went down holding his head like it was head to head. Rudiger's like six inches taller than De Bruyne. It was his <laughs> elbow and his shoulder that went right into De Bruyne's face. That should have been a red, but obviously one of the uh, USL Championship pro refs was refereeing that match <laughs> and didn't see an obvious red card. So that that's what changed the well, match. Sure, they were getting a lot sure. of joy. De Bruyne was going through and just cutting through them like hot knife, like butter, and they were getting those runs in. They just couldn't get their shot off. Uh, Raheem Sterling had a couple where he lost the ball in his feet. Uh, Man City was the dominant side. Uh, Chelsea countered once and they countered professionally and they got that goal. Chelsea early with their, I forget the name of their forward. They had it was Kai Havertz and uh, and um, Timo Werner. And Timo Werner missed that center. He he had two or three opportunities here, but Rafa, your your thoughts on, on the Champions League finale? I'm just glad Man City lost. <laughs> See, it's weird but, because I'm partial to Man City, and I would not have minded them seeing them win. I love Pep Guardiola. I love his how his mind works. But I Christian Pul- Chris- from Barcelona. But the-, the most important thing is U.S. national team left winger Christian Pulisic is a Europa Champions League or excuse me UEFA Champions League Champions winner. League. Um, suck it, Rafa. Hey, Hugo Sanchez has wanted two before him, so <laughs> I don't want to drop my mic because it's expensive. But imagine me dropping it. So, final thoughts with it being Memorial Day. Um, you know, like I said here, my father served, and, and you know, he didn't die through there, but you know, I think uh, unfortunately he passed away due to uh, some of the. Uh, conditions of serving, um, you know, through that here, you know, you know, through that here. Um, and I think President Obama, put, you know, put out a, our former President Obama, um, <laughs> put out this quote here. Uh, our nation owes a debt to its fallen heroes that we can never fully replay, but we can honor their sacrifice. And, and um, it's something that I think we should do more than just one day, you know, or Veterans Day, I know also gets kind of tied into it. It's something that um, I know San Antonio is a military city, and it's something that we do uh, respect the, the military, and, and, it's, and it's a close-knit um, community with it. Um, but just, you know, you know, if you're listening to this, whether you're know, here in San Antonio, whether you're, you know, wherever you're listening to it from, um, you know, I, I know 
it's kind of tough sometimes. Uh, but you know, hopefully, if you see a service member, you know, service man or service member, um, you know, tell them thank you, thank you for the service. Uh, you know, because um, at any time they could be called to action to defend this country, and they will do it. And unfortunately, some don't make it home. So, I uh, do want to thank you, uh, you know, to all the service members out there. Um, past and to the future, uh, you know, for the sacrifice that you will be uh, doing and for the families as well. That's one of the things that, uh, um, you know, what's my job here. I, I speak with uh, a lot of the family members and, you know, I deal with some of these calls that uh, unfortunately the uh, uh, the spouse did not return. So, um, you know, just thank you for your service. Uh, you know, you know, you know, we are a great country and, uh, you know, you know, just it's it's something that uh, please don't lose sight of that, you know, no matter, you know, what's going on in the U.S. here. Rafa, your final thoughts, and then we'll end uh, with Royce. Uh, a couple of final thoughts, like I said, to our servicemen. Uh, you know, happy Memorial Day for you guys. Like I said, my dad served Vietnam vet uh, from the Air Force and my younger brother, former Army. So yeah, happy Memorial Day to them. Um, of the second thing, uh, uh, if anybody saw the news last week, uh, a big double header coming up in the Alamo Dome July 11th. Uh, my Club America is coming to take care of the little kitty cats from Tigres from Monterey. Should be interesting because that's actually uh, uh, Piojo's first game against his former team. So that'll be oh, interesting. Oh, I forgot so, Piojo's with Tigres. Oh, yeah, I need to go to so, that match. That's, so that, that, I want to see him go Super Saiyan. So, oh, yeah, he was going up against them, against Solari, his replacement. So that should be an interesting game. Um, I know that maybe not some of the star players may not be there because of Copa America and well that's what's which is in je- kind of in jeopardy right now because now they moved it well it's, it got moved to Brazil but don't hold your breath there um, and then also we have a Gold Cup and also some European Cup play um, so so buy your tickets for that should be an interesting game you know should be a fun game um, and then the third one it, I, I think we found our mascot the White Cat was got the Blancos so there you go. So I like it. Los Gatos Blancos, 100%. There's your, there's your mascot for the for the season there. So I was a little nervous. If it was a black cat, I was like, oh, I think we're going to lose the game. Just like that Dallas uh, New York Giants <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as my final thoughts, um, obviously, um, men and women serving, thank you. Uh, past, present, and like Harry said, future. I've had countless family members serve, uh, serving currently. Um, I've had, I have uh, a relative or two that are on the memorial on the Vietnam Memorial wall. Um, it's, you know, freedom isn't free. Um, and that's, that's basically it for Never forget that freedom is not free. Our freedom to talk nonsense about soccer and, and all this real fun stuff. It, it ain't free, man. And there's a lot of sacrifices involved, and we're forever, uh, forever indebted um, to those uh, men and women that serve. As far as status of the show here, um, I'm going to be out uh, next week for sure, and um, uh, possibly the the following Monday. So we're going to try to see if Royce uh, can host here. If not, uh, you know, we may be out, uh, yes. you know, a week or two uh for that here so um 
you know, uh, you know, family needs a, a non-soccer vacation, I was told. Uh, so we are doing mental, non, mental break, man. Mental non-soccer break. vacation. I, I don't disagree. <laughs> so although if Cancun falls through, you know, we might, <laughs> might sweep it and get the <laughs> vacation. Going to Colorado. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think I can pull off Colorado, but Vegas and uh, New yeah. Mexico would, would definitely oh, be trips that if we you go make. to. If you go to Vegas, you can uh, go watch a game from poolside uh, or from a little waiting pool. Did y'all see that? What Vegas is doing? It's like for fifty dollars more plus a price oh, yes. ticket, you can sit right pitch side in a little kiddie pool and basically just kind of sit and sit in the water and just chill. <laughs> um, or if you own a Toyota, you can just pull up just just right on the side of the pitch and just and just watch the match from your car. Oh insane it's very vegas it's insane and that team is so bad it's it's so yep. bad yeah yep is lafc still loaning them players or is it no they do they loan them five six players but the problem with vegas is they train in la with the first team i don't even think they have a full roster without the loanees Game days, they fly to Vegas, or you know, they go to Vegas. I guess I can't assume they fly. They may be taking the bus uh, to Vegas. When the game's over, they bus back to LA. So it's, and I know it's a one-year thing here because uh, I have a feeling that they were fifty-fifty. Uh, if USL didn't approve this setup, I don't think we, you know, the lights would be in the lake. I'll just leave it at that. Is it's from what I've heard is. Um, the only way that they're playing this year is because of this arrangement. So, um, but uh, that'll be the second game of the road trip. And then, you know, so to me, this three game road trip, um, they're at Colorado on next, uh, next Saturday. They play the following Friday against um, Vegas. They come back that following, you know, the Wednesday afterward, uh, was it the 16th? Because I fly back on the 16th. Uh, the 16th, they play New Mexico, and then the next home match against RGVs on the 19th. So for San Antonio, uh, they've got, you know, kind of a jam-packed schedule coming up here where, you know, Four possibly, matches in three weeks. Yeah, by the time we, possibly by the time we talk again here, there'll be four matches to kind of talk about. Um, although we will maybe try to see if we can get some sort of show on depending on internet connection down there um and you know if we can get royce up and running uh you know for that here so but i thank you for everybody tuning in um like i said here once again you know happy memorial day uh to everybody you know uh, for that here and thank you for your service and thank you for your sacrifice most importantly uh for that here but uh, what's life without goals we're See out